The Phoenix Suns offense has looked gangbusters in the preseason. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll break down the question a lot of people are wondering. Can it be the best in the NBA all season long? And if so, how? Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons. Writer at Suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Happy Monday. A new week is here. The last week before Suns regular season basketball is back into our lives. Today, we're going to talk a little more preseason. We have the Blazers game tonight, and we should learn a little more there, but it's Really been awesome to watch this offense, and so we're going to spend some time on that today. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. More from Game Time later in the show. Again, if you haven't already, hit that follow or subscribe button, become an everyday or get locked onto the Suns right along with me. Plus, you get Brandon once a week, you get Aaron Edwards to close out every week, and it should be a great season. So hit that button if you have not already. Brandon Duenas is here, as you can see or hear, uh, on, well, maybe not here yet, as he is every Monday. He's a writer at Bright Side of the Sun, co-hosts this show every week, and we're going to talk about the offense. So let's get started with your observations, Brandon, of the Suns offense so far. I don't, have we talked about a preseason game yet? Was that the last episode, the first preseason game? Yes, I think it was, but there's been one more with the Stars since then. So just give me your your big picture on the offense, these huge point totals, pretty free-flowing. What stood out to you from that side of the floor since uh, preseason started? Yeah, so first and foremost, I, I get the Nurkic thing now offensively. Like, okay. just seeing it play out in real time, like, I, I think there's some really creative actions that uh, is going to open up a lot and makes me even higher than already was. Like, it's, it's no secret, I said, I think this team has a chance to be one of the best offenses ever. Uh, I've gone on the record to say that multiple times. And I think now with his ability to set screens, make these, you know, awesome passes, like right on the money, um, his outlet passes, just the transition, like these 37, 39 point quarters um, in, the, in the first half. And then obviously had that huge 46 point first quarter with uh, to open up the preseason. So I think this is just kind of a sign of things to come. Uh, this team should score 120 a night pretty easily. Like, just on a routine night with even one of their stars out, I think they can hit 120 pretty easily. It uh, doesn't matter who they're playing against either. I think they're going to kind of control the pace. Uh, obviously, it's going to come down to getting stops if they're going to win those those shootouts. But, but yeah, I think just offensively, they've, they've looked uh, – when those, those starters are on the court and, like, those key bench players, they've just looked unstoppable. And I just like how natural everything looks. Uh, it's, it's just really – Honestly, just next Tuesday cannot get here soon enough. So I, I'm I looking forward to the season again. That's how I feel too. Um, yeah, I just got done. Today's uh, Just Basketball show that we were recording on Sunday was we finally got to our Suns preview. We've been doing team by team, and obviously we work from bottom to top, so the Suns are a little ways into that. But uh, my co-host Chris asked me, like, who is the point guard? And I said, they like everybody and nobody. But in the half court, I basically said, that it's Nurkic and Booker joked about that like one of the first days of training camp but it really feels like if you were going to pick somebody from the the starting lineup who 
in the half court, their job is first and foremost to set other guys up. That's pretty much Nurkic more than anybody else. And you don't want to like, he's not, he's not Nikola Jokic out there, but at the same time, like I think keeping the ball out of some of the other stars hands to start possessions is just going to make them more dangerous. A lot of the time, if they aren't able to score in transition, um, so his ability to not only like kind of fill that role and do those things, but also just develop some pretty quick chemistry, I think, especially with Durant has been cool. And he just seems to kind of have his head on a swivel and okay, let me go. Like they're not running a lot of stuff, but it's like, I need to go set a screen for that guy. I need to hit the, you know, corner on this particular play or this star hasn't gotten it in a while. Like he does have some of those point guard instincts. So I think you're right to say that. He also, uh, does it worry you at all that he has already kind of shown us the, you know, lack of touch at times that that Blazers fans warned all of us about? Because that that has shown up too, and I think that's going to be a little frustrating for people. Yeah, that that and the fouling were the two things that we were kind of warned about, and we've seen it play out. So at this point, I'm not really too worried about it in terms of like, you just got to kind of accept who he is. Uh, He embraces his role when he plays hard, then that's, that's all you can really ask at this point. Like there's going to be things where he's, he's not going to, uh, you know, be perfect at it or just have some flaws. But if, if he was good at those things, he'd probably be a max player. Uh, so it's true. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a few things that, that pop out with him that I think are, I don't want to say easy fixes, but they're just like little frustrating things that just are a part of his game. But, but overall, I've really been impressed. I think his physicality was a little bit better than I thought too, especially for preseason. Like, a lot of vets will kind of take off plays or like not go as hard, but it seems like uh, this entire Suns team really honestly are using these reps to the best of their ability. Like, I mean, Booker looks like he's in mid-season form and the pull-up threes being added, like that's, that's been a great sign. So I think uh, there's, there's a lot of things that are positive takeaways without even really getting into the, you know, box score, just, just yeah. the eye test that really stood out. And he's, uh, the last thing I would add is, he's comfortable playing fast too. Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he's, you know, I don't know, peak like Deandre Jordan or something in terms of, you know, lob city run and gun type of stuff. But he is, uh, he doesn't get lost. He still makes an impact. He, you know, runs the floor. Like it's not like, okay, Nurkic is off the floor. Now we can play in transition and Devin Booker had, you know, flips the switch. Like it's not really like that. He, he can kind of yeah. do either one. Um, so that's the half court. I also, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Just real, real quick note too, is I think it helps that Booker has played with guys like Dario and Frank in the past. And even like Baines to an extent, uh, not as, not as similar, but more so like Dario, just in that, you know, five out where they had a really good chemistry and connection. So I think that, that also, um, had, like the Suns in general have outside of eight and have really liked those bigs that can, that are a little versatile offensively. So I think, you know, seeing that whole thing play out with, Durant and Beal has just been uh, fun to see. Definitely. So uh, that is the, yeah, I mean, and, and Beal, like, you know, he got a lot of experience with that last year with Porzingis. So I think that's probably part of why the Suns yeah. felt like that could work. But uh, so if we go from half court, which is a lot of what we've been talking about to the transition side of things, my biggest observation or surprise from the first few games has been that it's not just the stars who are being kind of empowered to grab and go. It's like everybody that plays guard pretty much is is allowed to do that. Uh, Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, even Josh Okoge. And I've, I've emphasized it after each game, so it's probably nothing new to the everyday listeners, but it's, it's only going to make a more 
difficult to stop, in my opinion. Like, I just kind of assumed, okay, there's not going to be a point guard. It's basically going to be whoever gets the rebound, find Booker, Beal, or Durant, and then they'll take it. Like, at least there's three options. But what I didn't anticipate is it's going to be, like, four options at any given time and um, that they're going to play so small that a lot of those guys are all on the court at once. So I think a lot of the kind of lineup construction and then, you know, role stuff within that has been different than I expected. But I, again, I do think at the end of the day, it's just going to make them harder to stop. You're just, you're cutting out so much of the decision-making, the time, just, it's just go, go get a shot, like go get offense. And there's so much talent that it's like, it feels kind of dumb, but like in the regular season, that's going to work. Like it's just, it is. And then the half court stuff you were talking about, is just going to kind of be the, uh, the icing, I think. Oh yeah, hundred percent agree with that. That's, that's a great point. I think just like organized chaos is the term I would use in terms of keeping the defense on their toes. Like if there's so many options, like if you if you're making the defense read and react in real time of like who they're going to stop and you don't let them get set, it's just going to be that much more difficult to contain these guys. Especially if you have a guy like Kogi or Grayson Allen or Nurkic bringing the ball to the court, um, then the defense really has to to focus on getting back and, and trying to make sure the corners are taken care of and make sure they're, you know, Booker's not leaking out. So there's so many things that defenses already have to worry about uh, in the half court set. But then when you add in in transition, you don't know what you're going to get from them. I think that just, that's where the offensive potential really uh, just to me is like untapped. Like that, that's where I think they could really just bury teams on those runs where they go, you know, a quick 12 0 run in like 45 seconds. And you're like, what the hell just hit us? Like yeah. that's, that's going to happen a lot. I feel like with, with especially with how quick it seems like they want to play. So they're going to have those like death lineups or death runs, whatever you want to call it, where, you know, it'll, especially on national TV, where, you know, it's, it's just going to cut to break and you're just gonna be like, what, what do we just watch? So that's, yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Because that's the thing, right? Like with whether it is the half court or it's the transition stuff, it's like the playmaking by a committee and isn't just like some teams where, and it works great, but like, Zion or Giannis or some of those guys like they do the same thing but really it's like they're going to score or they're going to get to the line in this case the way that I think the Suns are approaching it is like yes it'll be that but then there's going to be shooters at every position pretty much so it's not always just going to be like a difficult contested layup for the best players it might be or you know floater or pull up three or something but it's like it's also the attention that those guys get with a head of steam can become a three for somebody that's a knockdown shooter. And so I think you just start to kind of stack it up piece by piece there. But if we zoom out a little bit and talk about this team in the context of the NBA, because obviously being a great offense in a vacuum doesn't make you the best in a whole league. There's 29 other teams. So we'll talk about some of the other candidates for that. We'll talk about what made the best offenses last year, the best offenses, and maybe some weak points or question marks within the Suns offense that may flare up uh over the course of the season some weak points some questions uh next first today's show brought to you by game time as I said before game time is the best place to buy tickets plain and simple D-backs sold out the NLCS games so game time has you covered there I know there are probably hot commodity concerts in the valley I think what uh Stevie Nicks and Billy Joel are coming also at Chase Field but also theater comedy whatever you need tickets for game time has them they have last minute tickets flash deals zone deals a whole bunch of things that a lot of other sites do not have to get you the cheapest price but also you can view your seat from the website 
They have a lowest price guarantee, event cancellation, so that you're having the peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from the seat. Again, those all-in prices show you your total up front, and then you can get off the tickets if something, heaven forbid, bad happens as the event is nearing. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDON, get $20 off, download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Keeping it rolling. Talking about the Suns compared to some of these other teams, and we can kind of take this in whatever direction you want, Brandon, because I think the Suns are clearly going to be up there. Um, it's like, are they going to be one, two, or three type of thing if, if they're healthy, I think, is, is really where the conversation goes. So I don't know if there's another team or a type of part of their offense that worries you or whatever. But what I guess let's just ask it this way. What's the thing standing in the way most from the Suns at the end of the season, we look back and they had the number one offense statistically in the league. Like, what's the single thing that's that's impeding them from getting there? I really think it's just health. Like, that's to me, that's just the bottom line. Is as long as they're healthy, I think they'll be number one. And if they're not, I'd be surprised. Um, I think if, if there's some like chemistry issues, possibly that could be another avenue. But just seeing how seamless it's been in preseason, like I don't even see that being an issue honestly so as long as they're healthy i really just i don't see a world where this this team isn't the like if not one or two like probably like the, the third best offense at the very least like that i'd be completely shocked if uh all booker beal and durant played you know 60 plus games and that was not the case like i'd i'd put a, a large sum of money on that so uh but yeah i think the Right now, the only team, like, just from a pace standpoint, like, the Kings obviously set, broke a lot of records last year with how quick they, they played. And uh, them and the Bucks are, like, the only two teams in recent history to have 120-plus points per game. And I think the Suns could join that group. Like, I, I really do. I think they could. Uh, it just depends also, like, how much they care about regular season. There's going to be some games where we can see them, uh, a stretch of games where maybe they just kind of take a few nights off and that hurts them in, in the grand scheme of things. But. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I just I'll find it very hard for them not to be close to 120 plus per game. So, just to start here, when Booker and Durant were on the court together last season, which was across the regular season and postseason, 600 minutes uh, with both of them on, the Suns had a 122 offensive rating. That would be the best offense in the NBA by almost three points per hundred possessions. In the playoffs, we saw Denver actually take it to another level, which is insane. That that rarely happens. Usually offense gets a little worse because games slow down and everything, but Denver is a, a unicorn. Their offensive rating in the playoffs was 120. So the Suns with Booker and Durant on the court last year, even with Paul, Shamit, TJ Warren, DeAndre and all these guys we thought were bogging them down. When those two players were on the court, the Suns had an offense that's really unparalleled in the league. Um, and then when you kind of break it down by half court versus transition, I think that's where it gets a little interesting. I think to be the best half, the best offense in the NBA, you have to do it in both. Um, because even Sacramento, we think of them as this running gun team. They had the second best half court offense in the league. Um, so it's really hard for me to find something 
that the Suns are going to get not be able to do because I do think we're just talked about how they're going to be able to have answers in the half court and the transition. When Durant got here, they boomed in terms of free throw rate because he gets to the line. I think Beal will help them in that category as well. Even Nurkic gets to the line more than Aiton did, you know. So like I think they're they're going to be helped and getting and playing fast helps you get to the line a lot a lot more. So really to me, it's only offensive rebounding that I could poke a hole in. And I just don't think that matters that much. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I, I'm right there with you. I, I really do. Uh, obviously this is a son's podcast where we have a little, like we have all the <laughs> more of like the insight and like a little more bias probably towards it. But like, I don't even think it's a biased thing to just sit here and say like, they have the best offense in the NBA, even if statistically it doesn't back it up. Like, just if you're going in the playoffs and you have to try to game plan for this defense, you could ask any coach in the NBA who's going to present the most headaches at full strength. It's, it's the Suns, And that's not even shot at Denver or anyone else. Like it's just, it's just a fact at this point. Cause they have just, they have three 30 point scorers surrounded by shooters and playmakers. Like it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I just, I feel bad for opposing defenses. Let's talk about some things we're looking forward to watching kind of within that or untapped stuff to close out the show. But one last thing on this point, Denver, I think that's kind of where you have to look. I think Boston like has a claim here too, but to me, their regular season offense and their postseason offense are maybe as big of a difference as the league has. And that's part of why they're trying to diversify and change up what they are a little bit, in my opinion, uh, because their regular season offense is driven by they take and make a lot of threes, and that doesn't always translate. But So Denver, to me, they were the fifth-best offense in the NBA last regular season, but as I said, they they bolstered that in the playoffs. They got like two points per 100 possessions better from the regular season of the playoffs. They were first in effective field goal percentage. They did turn the ball over a lot, but that happens with teams that move the ball a lot. Offensive rebounding, we know that Jokic is kind of a one-man offensive rebounding machine when he wants to be they don't get to the line a ton but when you make your first shot and you uh get open shots you don't really have to rebound or get to the line as much and the thing i've said all offseason when i've been talking about how the suns can beat them is they just own the paint they own the rim they're good they they put so much pressure on the basket with some of the stuff we've already talked about as well as just guys like gordon and and murray who just drive and and finish and Jokic too um I think statistically, in terms of if you're breaking it down categorically, I think Denver has an advantage. So my question for you would just be, what what puts the Suns over the top of the Nuggets? Big picture, like set aside the stats and the rankings and the leaderboards. Like what makes you feel confident the Suns can outscore the Nuggets enough in the playoffs or even in the regular season matchups where we see these teams? Because that's a machine and they're not going anywhere, even though their bench is thinner. Yeah, for me, it comes down to bailout shots and tough shot making. How many guys you have that you can just get the ball to and your possession's broken in the playoffs and you need a tough shot. And I think the Suns have three of those guys. Denver has two. And that's that to me is the ultimate difference right there. That's where I think the and the, the depth also. I think Denver's uh, most likely going to be pretty impressive at the deadline, but trying to find the right piece will be important for them too. That, that fits sort of that Bruce Brown role. Um, I think they have some pretty good young pieces though that could that could definitely contribute right away, probably sooner than people think. But to me, the it's, it feels weird to say depth after a year ago of what happened. But uh, but I think to me that that combination with the, the tough shot making, I think the Suns have the edge just in terms of pure firepower. Um, obviously, I think Denver can 
you know, it, it would be a back and forth battle um, between two offenses that are very different, but similar in some senses. So I think uh, just the, the differences is really like what's going to come down to. And I think just the Suns' ability to have, uh, you know, a seven footer in Durant that you could just, you know, shoot over the top of anyone sort of that matches Jokic, Booker and Murray. And then Beals is just kind of a wild card to me. Yeah, it's, that's what it is. But I also am, what Murray did last postseason is, it's hard even with the ideas we might have about what Booker and, and Durant are. Like, I think Murray is at least close to those guys, you know? Like, if you're saying one, two punches, I think Murray is enough to keep things relatively even in terms of that late clock or late game one-on-one just getting getting the best shot available and making it type of thing so yeah I guess to your point Beal is what could kind of break that open a little bit um and it remains to be seen he just you know we haven't seen him in the playoffs in a long time and that wasn't his role when he was last in the playoffs so obviously that's one of one of uh, probably the main reason that he's such a interesting character around the league I mean that, that goes without saying but let's talk about Beal on that note I have some thoughts on on his end of things and then a little bit on Durant and some places we could see this offense go over the course of the season that might even make the ceiling higher than we currently think it is we'll talk about that next first today's show brought to you by better help better help is a nobody else does this I mean that's the bottom line if you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And BetterHelp brings that therapy to you much more easily. Whether it's job change, family change, loss, all that stuff, I can speak for it. I've been through all of that. And if you're thinking of starting therapy for any of those reasons or just to have somebody to talk to, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. That's a big one, too. Sometimes you have to find the right person. You don't want to get freaked out or worried by not working with one, and BetterHelp lets you cycle through at your own pace for no charge. Make your fr- your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today. To get 10% off your first month, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's close things out, Brandon. Um, I'll I'll uh, just kick off the one thing we had talked about in covering in this segment, which is Kevin Durant at the five. We haven't really seen it in preseason. Uh, again, to reference the Just Basketball Show Suns preview we just did, I we each do our best lineup in those. And my statistical best lineup the one that I think will just overpower teams over the course of the regular season I had it as Durant at center with Booker Beal Gordon and then you can put in whatever forward you feel best about Um, but we haven't seen it how much do you think it'll get used in the regular season because there's the balance of you want to see it but you also don't want to show too much of it you go want guys to be ready but you don't want anyone getting hurt because they're playing up a position all these different things so how often do you think we'll see that lineup or any lineup like that in the regular season? So I think in terms of how much I want to see it versus how much <laughs> I'll actually see it will be a huge difference there because I agree they could really uh, 
you know, bury some teams offensively with that with that group. Like there's there's a lot of fun things you could do with that. But in terms of just the the toll that takes on Durant to play the five and just depending on which four they they plug out there to, to guard opposing centers like that, um, that could be the reason Vogel opts to not use it as much. Uh, just in terms of trying to keep Durant from uh, putting him in some like unfavorable situations defensively, I guess, uh, against certain teams. But I do think in certain situations, it definitely makes sense, especially against teams that go small and uh, the Suns can throw that to, to match pretty much any look. So I think it definitely gives them uh, another look, especially in the playoffs against certain teams that if you want to go small, like good luck. We have, we have this lineup like built in kind of baked in, like whenever we need to use it, but are we going to use this like, as our default, probably not. So, mm-hmm. um, I yeah, I think it'll be pretty limited, honestly. I, as, as much as I'd love to see it uh, in, in certain stretches, even if it's only for a couple minutes at a time, like I, I just don't see Vogel using as much, but could be wrong. I'm disappointed that Kevon Looney is hurt because I think we could have seen it as early as opening night if, or I'm sorry, that Draymond is hurt and Kevon Looney is the only big yeah. in Golden State because we could have seen it right away with Draymond. Obviously, that's how they like to close games, or they definitely play a portion of every game with him at the five. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to miss that one, so that's a that's a little bit of a bummer. But I think the Warriors and Lakers are two teams. The Suns will want to probably see it against those guys, you know, because mm-hmm. AD at the five and Draymond at the five, that's how those teams are best, and I think the Suns are going to match that, you know, and so... I think it. I think it is going to be matchup based. I think we will see it. Um, I think Vogel has been pretty open and aggressive about just saying, like, yeah, we're going to use a regular season to try stuff. And I think that's one of the obvious things we're all expecting this team to try. The reason I agree with you, though, that on the whole, it's probably not going to be very common is one, they have a lot of bigs on the roster, but two, those lineups actually simplify everything. You know, uh, it's like the ball is going to be in one of the stars' hands most of the time. You're probably going to see Durant used as a screener a lot in those lineups, a pick-and-pop type of option. And defensively, most likely, you're going to be switching everything. And like some of that stuff still needs practice, but it's probably less complicated than the actual base scheme that the Suns are going to play. So I think that's another reason you probably don't need to push it too much is everybody's life gets actually easier in that setup, I think. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I think it's kind of what you alluded to earlier in terms of not trying to show your cards too much before the playoffs. Um, not that that's going to be the determining factor of how often they use that lineup, but I think uh, just having that up their sleeve, like as long as they have a few reps, like a decent amount of reps of Durant at the five and just what those looks are, are going to look like offensively and obviously defensively as well, then I think that that's all they're going to really need going in the playoffs. They're not going to need like you know, 600 plus minutes with, with like this type like small ball group to, to know what they have. I think they already kind of know what they have there. And like you said, they have a lot of bigs that they, that I think like Eubanks and even Metu, like they're probably going to get some decent minutes um, throughout the course of the season without even bringing up Nurkic. And uh, so, yeah, I think it, it'll be just a nice little balance that they could they have in their back pocket against those, those certain teams like the Warriors and Lakers, like you mentioned, um, but I'll put you on the spot real quick. So if you had to pick a forward against the Warriors or Lakers to to fill that spot, that fifth spot you're talking about, where would you lean against those type of teams? I In the small ball lineup. I think that the highest upside uh, answer is Nasir Little. But 
I honestly don't feel awesome about it. I think those both of those guys have a long way to go with him and Bates Diop after what we've seen in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So if if they're both kind of at the same starting point, like I would have hoped Bates Diop was a little bit ahead and was more kind of comfortable right away, but it doesn't look like that. So I kind of think of those dudes as kind of even right now in the pecking order. So if we're thinking about it that way and they're both starting from the same point, then I'll just go little because I think the upside's bigger with him because he's a better athlete. Yeah, no, that, that'll be an interesting little battle within a battle for a rotation spot for sure. I think both those guys and then uh, Akogi and Goodwin as well, just in a different setting. So that's mm-hmm. those, those are two like little small storylines, I guess, in the rotation to, to kind of watch throughout the year. So last thing in terms of kind of the upside or some things that might change or evolve over the course of the season is related to Bradley Beal. So far through, uh, I guess he's only played the one preseason game. I didn't realize that, but let's just use it for an example. Um, 22, basically 23% usage rate and a 37% assist rate. Very small sample. He only played a handful of minutes last year. Um, and I'll check back in on these after the, I don't know if he'll play both of the remaining preseason games, but it looks like he'll play Monday. But last year with the Wizards, he had a 29% usage and a 27% assist rate. I buy that the Suns believe that Beal can basically be Washington Beal and still get his in this offense. I think a lot of what we've talked about today is, is why in terms of pace and, you know, kind of free-flowing action and lineup stuff and everything else, but do you buy that that will continue through to the playoffs that Beal will be all NBA Beal, no, no adaptivity needed. Or do you think by the time push comes to shove, we will see the clay Thompsonification of Bradley Beal, uh, so to speak. And, and he'll be more of an off ball spot up type of guy. What's your prediction just off the cuff right now in October? I, I think he'll be the same Beal. We all, we all know at this point, just with more, more freedom and less, less of a burden. I think, He's going to if the efficiency is going to jump up. Like we saw what happened to Booker just playing with Durant. Now Beal gets two of those guys at, at once. So I think it's it's going to be a domino effect really for for Booker too to have Beal come in and add to the spacing KD already provided. Um, and then you throw you factor in Nurkic too, who all the screen setting and spacing the floor. Like I just think we're going to see Beal in even more of. I, I don't think it's going to be like a spot up role like a Thompson role at all. I think he's going to be. Uh, have the keys to do what he does and there's gonna be some games where he probably uh is, is a guy that he's a hot hand he's gonna take over and, and book and kd could be the guys that are kind of sitting there watching him going like wow this dude's this dude's on tonight like it's his game and, and vice versa there, there's obviously gonna be games where he uh might fall out of, of the offense just naturally and it's, it's just gonna be kind of a, a pick and pick and choose and your poison like on a nightly basis but, but yeah i think that the three of them are just kind of kind of take turns throughout the season, just popping off and it'll all even out uh, numerically. I think just from a statistical standpoint, I think it'll be right uh, in, in the wheelhouse that we're used to seeing. So with the 2021 Nets, Booker, or I'm sorry, Durant was at 31, Kyrie was at 30, the usage rate, and Harden was at 28. And all three also had a, a, an assist rate over 27. In the 2016-17 Warriors, Clay was at, uh, sorry, Steph was at 30 usage. KD was at 28 and Clay was at 26. 
Obviously, Clay's not much of a passer. Uh, so, but Durant and Curry were also both over twenty-three percent assist rate. And then Draymond, of course, you know, as a passer, plays a huge role for them. Twenty-eight assist rate for Draymond. So, a little bit of a different team construction. But yeah, history says that when you build a roster this way, it does actually allow all three guys to still be themselves. Um, I'm. I, I guess when I'm saying like, I think Beal might have to adapt and and eventually be a little bit uh, of a smaller role like in the biggest games or late in games or whatever I'm not even saying that in a negative way I guess I'm just sort of saying it when we're talking about the upside as like if he doesn't ever have to do that then like their overall upside is going to be probably even crazier if they're finding ways for all three guys to really like get theirs and be comfortable then that's just even scarier but it's hard to tell I mean obviously we haven't really seen it yet yeah, for sure. And and throughout the course of the year, obviously they're going to do some staggering and there's going to be times where Beal will kind of get the keys with the second unit and and vice versa. So I think there's definitely the opportunities within the game where even if, uh, you know, all three are on the court, I think they'll, they'll still figure it out obviously to, to get everyone to eat, but there's obviously going to be moments where there's injuries and stuff like that, where uh, th- I think that workload just gets more enhanced. So I think, like I said, over the course of the year, like, I don't think there's going to be much of a drop off. Uh, if anything, it's just it's going to stay around the same and just higher efficiency for for all three. Uh, I think the one guy we're not really talking about is like Durant. I think uh, just playing next to Booker and Beal that should make his life a lot easier too. Like we always bring up how he helps with uh, with Booker, but I think just having two of those guys running on the wings that can dribble it's just it's really going to unlock the entire offense. So I just can't wait to see it play out. Well, there will be one more show for you and I before we actually see regular season basketball. But hopefully uh, the remaining preseason games teach us a little bit more and we can enjoy the show for a little bit longer until we actually really get to see it. But enjoy Monday's game. We didn't really, you know, there's nothing to preview. But I'll have a recap on Monday night. I'll be at the game, so that'll be fun. And then Aaron Edwards later in the week, all the good stuff you're used to as an everydayer. Hit that follow or subscribe button. Become one. We hit 6,000 subscribers on YouTube. Big shout-out to all of you who helped us get there. Let's keep growing. This should be an awesome season. Basketball's on its way in real terms. We'll talk to you guys then.